0: Kent Online News.
1: News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.
0: Nicola Everett. It's Tuesday, January the 12th. Thanks ever so much for joining me on today's Kent Online Podcast. We're going to start today by hearing from a self-confessed COVID denier who nearly died after contracting the virus Kelly Cooney from Medway admits she thought the government were exaggerating how serious coronavirus was and never believed she would get it. However, in mid-December, she tested positive. At first, she didn't have any symptoms other than a slightly high temperature. But on Christmas Day, the 37-year-old was rushed to hospital and put in intensive care. She's spoken to the podcast from her bed at Medway Maritime Hospital.
2: I did used to be a non-believer, Um, that the government was exaggerating it. I knew there was something out there. I always said, it's just like the flu, but it's really, really not. Like my mum being in hospital a couple of weeks before I went in, she was on a ventilator for three days. She's still suffering now, today. And then me going to bed one night, don't remember anything and waking up paralyzed. After 15 days in a coma, That's what COVID is, that's what COVID can do and it is scary and we do need to listen and everyone says the NHS is an overrun, it is. I've been in hospital for weeks now and I'm going to be in rehab for weeks and I see COVID every day and it really is scary. And we do all need to listen and just wear your mask and look after each other because one day you might go to bed and wake up and you can't walk. And it is everyone's worst nightmare, really is. And I just want to say thank you to all the NHS staff at Medway Maritime Hospital and also in Oxford who both looked after me in ICU and my aftercare Um, because the nurses and that were amazing absolutely amazing they were amazing to me and my family and the compassion they show was really really thoughtful and i'll i'll be forever thankful for them saving my life lucy has
0: also been chatting to kelly's sister louise who says it's been an incredibly difficult time for all of them
3: well, when we got the call on christmas day um my dad was so so scared because her oxygen levels had gone so dangerously low and the ambulance just said she's critical and we need to get her to hospital. So I felt really scared and worried because we knew that our mum had had COVID Um, and it was just, yeah, it was devastating, especially Christmas Day as well, being that we normally would see each other and be together celebrating Christmas. We, We were all actually happy mum was out of hospital, but then we had obviously my sister come to so it was very very scary.
4: And I imagine it was really frightening as well that it was all happening so quickly because did she go from being you know relatively okay to in hospital in intensive care sort of overnight?
3: Yeah she deteriorated really quickly she had a high temperature that um, her daughter my niece was concerned phoning me saying that it wasn't going down and then she had phoned and said that her lips had gone blue and she was so brave bless her, I mean she's 18, she's an adult but she con- she just phoned an ambulance um, and I would say within like 24 hours she just went downhill from sitting on the sofa which she can't remember watching her children open her presents to deteriorating and going into ITU
4: And was there a point where you thought, oh, my goodness, my sister might actually be one of these numbers that's reported in the daily deaths?
3: Oh, definitely. Um, Yeah, definitely. I didn't honestly think that she was going to pull through um, because she was just stable all the time. And she had um, a funny term one day where she just kind of, they kept turning her on her back and on her front, which is treatment. And she wasn't managing very well and said she wasn't breathing and there was just no improvement. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't ever think I'd ever get to speak to my sister ever again. Um, I feel quite lucky.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And as a family for you guys, you've ex- been, had sort of first hand experience with coronavirus, with Kelly and with your mum. Um, has it it sort of changed your opinion on it all and and what message would you have for someone who maybe isn't taking the lockdown rules seriously or perhaps thinks the virus isn't that dangerous
3: I think the biggest thing I would actually say to people is you don't know until it happens to you and actually Kelly was very kind of on the fence she didn't know what to believe but she, she was kind of she didn't take it as serious as she does now and I think with my mum and sister both falling ill with Covid in such a short space of time, potentially contracting it from two different places because they weren't together, that actually this is really really serious and I think people need to just realise that it, it is real and from having a family member that's been in intensive care and a family member that's been on life support and potentially losing them is, has changed all our minds. And we just appreciate everything, what's, what's happening. And I think you just need to follow the guidelines. You just need to just act as if you've got COVID in your house and take the precautions. That's what I would say to protect your family and to protect yourself.
0: Elsewhere in the bodies of those who've died from coronavirus are now being stored at a temporary morgue in Kent. The County Council built the mortuary in Aylesford back in April during the first wave of the pandemic, but has confirmed it was put into use on New Year's Day. Council leader Roger Goff says this is a stark reminder of the terrible cost of COVID-19. Well, another 27 coronavirus deaths have been recorded in the county in the latest round of daily figures. More than 1,500 new cases have also been confirmed. Gravesham still has the highest infection rate at the moment, followed by Dartford and then Medway. Five more testing centres are going to open in Kent over the next week to try and find people who have coronavirus but without symptoms. One of the new sites is at the County Council building in Maidstone, the other at the Hop Farm near Paddock Wood. Others will be set up in Swanscombe, Sevenoaks and Hawkinge, with 14 already up and running in other parts of the county. Now a Kent doctor says the number of Covid vaccination sites in Kent should help jab enough vulnerable people, but only if there are enough doses available. There's been some frustration that the county didn't get a mass centre with the closest being in Surrey or London. But Dr John Ribchester, who's a GP in Whitstable, says the priority needs to be having the supply to meet the demand.
5: Most of Kent and Medway is covered by GP run vaccination centres and to have another GP vaccination centre in the same area could lead to confusion, uh, particularly in the elderly, and not knowing which appointments to take up. So for areas which have already got a vaccination centre, I don't think another national one is necessary. However, for areas that haven't got any and are unlikely to have any coming on the stream soon, yes, that will be useful.
1: I suppose I've, I've just spoken to uh, Roger Gale, the uh, MP for North Thanet, and he was saying, particularly for my area, if the nearest centre's uh, over in Epsom in Surrey, then that's a, a fair old distance to the tune of nearly 200 miles. But you think actually if there's local centres, utilise those?
5: Yes, indeed. I mean, that there are um, centres in every town in Thanet, um, and the limiting factor is not the lack of providers, it's a lack of vaccine. Um, you know, we have um, an empty fridge at the moment, uh, which is a shame. We did 1,200 vaccines on Saturday. We could do another 1,200 today if only we had the vaccines. So please, we need more vaccines. But areas that have already got a vaccination centre don't need another
1: one. There have been some figures out recently about the number of people not attending uh, their vaccine appointments. Actually being Pretty high at the moment. So just just tell us about how kind of concerning that is, obviously for yourself as a GP, trying to get these rolled out and trying to encourage people to go out and get their jab. We're
5: finding that people are very keen to come. Um, I think we've managed to vaccinate over eighty-two percent of our over eighty group of patients, and uh, by and large, people are excited, relieved, grateful to have a vaccine done. Um, there's the occasional person that refuses it, but we're finding the uptake is higher than it is for ordinary winter flu
0: vaccination. Dr Ribchester was speaking to Phil at our colleagues at KMTV. And finally, on COVID today, people living in Ashford and Margate have had delays receiving their post because of the number of Royal Mail staff who are either ill or self-isolating. They're among 27 areas of England that are affected. It's feared it might impact elderly patients who are waiting for a letter about a COVID vaccine.
1: Kent Online reports.
0: Other top stories from Kent Online today and the lawyers of a mum who killed her twin toddlers in Margate claim her GP missed a vital letter from mental health services revealing her state of mind before it happened. Samantha Ford is serving 10 years for the manslaughter of Jake and Chloe on Boxing Day 2018. an inquest into the children's deaths, the GP said he didn't see the letter and she seemed calmer in the days before the tragedy. The hearing is continuing. A man's been charged with drink, driving following a crash in Margate which left a young boy seriously injured. The child was taken to a London hospital after the van he was in collided with a car on Dane Valley Road on Sunday. A 49-year-old from the town is due in court. This is one of our most read stories today and a huge call centre in Ramsgate is being closed as employees there switch to home working full-time because of the pandemic. Travel firm Saga is selling off its six and a half acre site at the Eurokent Business Park. The company says the change to Flexible working means it's no longer necessary to have so much office space. A Doverman who spent the past 20 years researching video games that never made it onto shop shelves can't believe a book about it has almost sold out. Now, the industry is worth billions, but not many people have catalogued its history. Frank Gasking set up a website when he was just 19 and has now written about the ideas we never got to play.
1: Some people don't really understand why there's a fascination with trying to get work that wasn't finished. Often some of these games, they might've been underway for like months, maybe even years. And that can be quite a lot of work that's just chucked away at the end. And it seems such a shame not to kind of showcase that work and sort of celebrate it in a way, and also tell the story about what happened and show not necessarily the darker side of the games industry, but how the games industry can be quite tough. it still is tough today especially with larger teams and larger scale games that the cost of cancellation can be very costly in many different ways for years games have just been seen as a brief entertainment media and then chucked away um but the games industry is sort of bigger than the film and the music industry combined now so it's, it's still strange that companies are not kind of taking their old material seriously um but in a strange way, that's actually start the tide's starting to slowly turn. There's a lot more digital preservation organizations starting to crop up, but it's still mostly hobby based. I think there needs to be a lot more work. There's a lot of stuff that is deteriorating by the day. Um, disk media, in particular, even CD ROMs and that, they degrade, especially if the quality is not very good. And um, if they're not stored in the correct conditions, they'll degrade even further. So there's data there that could be lost forever if it's not acted upon and preserved. The book, that kind of stems from sort of 20 odd years of doing that preservation work. I'm kind of not getting any younger. If you're doing stuff on the internet, you're chucking it out there and at any point it could disappear. It's, the internet's so fragile. And I thought with something physical like a book, um, you know, that could be on shelves for many years. It could be in a library or something like that. And that that seemed really cool. Something that I could tell the grandkids and that kind of thing. Thankfully, it it just went bonkers from the point of release. And now we're at the stage where it's practically almost sold out. It's crazy, I didn't think. <laughs> I, 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 I thought it might be quite a slow process to get to a second print run. And it's literally been three or four months. It's crazy. I'm really humbled by it as well. I wasn't expecting
0: that. It's feared habitats for rare birds will be put at risk if plans to extend a caravan park in Sea Salter are given the go-ahead. The charity RSPB has warned an extra 91 vehicles at the Alberta Holiday Park will cause significant effects to the bird population, but developers insist there would not be any adverse concerns. Now, there have been quite a few innovative ideas developed during the various lockdowns, and a father and son from Tunbridge, Wells have come up with the latest one – Terry Go thought of the idea of a bakery delivery service while standing in a queue for a loaf of bread, only to find his favourite had sold out. He's teamed up with his son to launch Doorstep Baker, which gives out cakes, bread and sausage rolls from four bakeries. You can also read their story at Kent Online. Drivers have been left confused by a road sign which refers to Herne Bay as Horse Bay. The council's been criticised for the mistake on Clapham Hill in Whitstable. You can see a picture of the sign at kent online and finally today if you heard a very loud bang over parts of kent earlier you weren't alone it wasn't an explosion or earthquake or anything like that it was in fact a sonic boom it happened about lunchtime and was caused by a jet flying incredibly quickly this is what it sounded like That was captured on a ring doorbell. It was also heard in Cambridgeshire. We understand a Eurofighter Typhoon had been tasked to intercept a jet entering UK airspace without making any communication. It was then escorted to Stansted Airport. Well, that's all for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can subscribe to the IM News app to access all KM Group newspapers. Just head to subsaver.co.uk